Yes. I'll try not to break them. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I mean, it would make my, my speaking a little bit Good morning. Welcome to worship at North Coast United Methodist Church. It's wonderful to see everyone here to, today gathered together to worship the Lord. And it's great to know that we've got some folks online joining us as well. So let me start off with mentioning the flowers. The beautiful flowers today are in memory of Ray Aller's sister, Gwendolyn Foster. So thanks, Ray. Beautiful flowers. Nice addition to the altar. Some special announcements. Today is the last day of the collection of the tube socks that Mike and Mary Lou have been taking over to the various homeless shelters. And counting the ones that are out there still to, to take over, we have donated 180 pair of socks. So it's a great effort for this year's sock ministry. Um, quickly getting to the calendar review. Today, of course, first day of the month, birthday Sunday. And there's a birthday cake where they're getting cut. So help yourselves to birthday cake. And the list of the birthday celebrants is right there handy. You'll notice the pastor got in early on the 1st of March. So we're celebrating with the pastor and, and Sven, who's not here yet, and also Marcelina. So happy birthday to those March birthdays. And help yourselves during the service. There's various refreshments. So just help yourselves. Um, also, after church is this month's one community board meeting. And again, it's there are some people who we elected to be on that board, but the meeting's for everybody. This is how we come together and see what the plan is, what, what we got going on over the next couple of months, see if there's anything that um, we need some special help with. Maybe it'll be something that speaks to you and you can volunteer to help, whether it's, you know, clearing out a a homeless encampment on the back 40 or helping do some special Easter preparations. But by attending this board meeting, that's your chance to see what's going on and see how you can help if there's something that speaks to you. Um, Tuesday course, 10 o'clock Tuesday morning is our Bible study. Friday noonish is our monthly lunch bunch gathering. It's going to be at Cafe Rosarita out there on uh, Oceanside Boulevard. Uh, next Sunday, um, it's the spring ahead time change. So get that. I, I know I have to make several, you know, tie several strings. My fingers to remember the time changes. And this is the one that you really need to do it because you won't be someplace early. You'll be someplace late. So don't forget next Sunday at 2 a.m. or thereabouts, the, the time changes on our various clocks. Um, also next Sunday is the Together in Worship in the afternoon. Four o'clock is when the Together in Worship um, service will happen. And the kids have special activities for that time as well. And then next Monday, which is the 11th, that's our monthly Brother Benno's breakfast serving time. So um, Mary Lou says the time is 6.15. So not tomorrow, but next Monday at 6.15, after the time has changed, so make sure you change those clocks for 
Brother Benno's next, next Monday morning. On Sunday the 17th, another exciting day, that's St. Patrick's Day, and there's going to be a luncheon after church to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. So mark that on your calendars. Um, Tuesday the 19th is the Together in Worship at about 6 o'clock. It's out in town. We don't have the location yet, so stand by. We'll get the location to you. Uh, a little bit further out, just for the rest of our Easter preparation activities, on Thursday, the 28th at 10 o'clock, will be the Monday Thursday service. And on Friday, the 29th at 10 o'clock, is the Good Friday service. And then Easter, of course, is on the 31st of March this year, and there will be a luncheon and an egg hunt after church that day. Um, that's all I've got for today, Pastor. The restaurant that we'll be going to for together and on the 19th is Senior Grubby's. So if you want some tacos, join join with us. I want to make a special announcement for next uh, Sunday night's uh, Together Gathering. I get asked a lot about the theological background of some of the things that I fight for and defend. So next Sunday night, we are going to watch a movie called 1946 the misinterpretation that shaped culture. So if you would like to come and watch that movie with us, please come and do that. I, I want everyone to know we will have a completely separate activity for the kids that night. They'll be in a different room. They'll be watching a different movie. But I, I have been asked a lot, what is the theological background where, where is the religion and the things that you stand for? So next Sunday night from 4 to 6 p.m., we're going to watch the movie 1946, The Misinterpretation That Shaped Culture. So please come bring snacks to share through it. We'll watch the movie. We'll have about a half hour of discussion afterwards. So please do that. Um, let's move into our time of prayer. Is there any prayer requests today? Well, as we know, even if there are not prayer requests spoken, there are prayer requests that are felt. And it's sometimes the prayer requests that are not shared outwardly are the ones that have the most harmful effect. So I'm really distracted by these light bulbs. Does anybody know why these light? Is this your children's time? Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> Yeah, congratulations. I wanted to make sure we didn't miss an announcement. <laughs> so the, the sometimes the prayer requests that are not spoken are the ones that do have the deepest meaning, even if the pastor gets distracted while saying that. So let's join together in prayer for the spoken and unspoken prayers alike. Precious and loving God, be with us today. Flow with us. Have your spirit be present. In your son's precious and loving name, I pray. Amen.
Okay, so about my light bulbs. So about peace. They're kind of twofold. One was I was running all over the church today looking for light bulbs. And I found one. I was like, okay, I need another one. I need another one. And just like peace, peace is almost always in the most obvious place. But I didn't look. Which was the janitor's closet. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking. I'm looking. Some of you saw me all over the place. Where's she going? I didn't look in the janitor's closet. I found one, which was pretty cool. A nice small piece of peace. And I was like, all right, this is cool. This is cool. A nice small piece of peace. This is great. And then sometimes peace can get a little bigger the more we look for it. We find a little bit bigger piece. And then when we look deeper and get more help, which I got some help, peace gets even bigger. <laughs> so when I had help, and someone went, did you look in the janitor's closet? I went, oh, oh yeah, I've only been here four years. Of course it's in the janitor's closet. <laughs> so with help, we find peace. <laughs> That's how it is. And so today, we're going to learn all about how is the light of Jesus that connects us to peace. Come on, let's go.
Good morning. Please join me in the call to worship and stand as you are able. God calls us on a journey of faith. Christ leads us through moments of great challenge. Spirit strengthens us when there is no turning back. Please be seated. Please prepare our hearts and minds as prayer time. God of righteous fire, give us the passion to do what is right. As Jesus was moved to clear the money changers from the temple, move us to seek justice and righteousness in our world, and Christ never flinched on his journey to the cross. 
May we never waver when we reach the point of no return in our journey of faith. May the season of Lent inspire our own hero's journeys. As we learn your ways and keep our eyes fixed upon your Son. Amen. Please join me in our Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now hear these words of assurance. Do not fear the point of no return in your journeys of faith. God will always love you. Christ will always guide you. And the Spirit will always sustain you. When spiritual journeys are grounded in God's teachings, no obstacle can stop you and no force can deter you. Today's scripture reading is from Mark 11, verses 15 to 18. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temples and began driving out those who were buying and selling them. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, It is not written, My house will be called the house of prayer for all nations, but you will have made it into a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed by his teachings. The words of the Lord. Amen. Before that, we move into our time of prayer. I'm a little bit disappointed in myself today. When you read, I tend to give you about 15 or 20 verses because I like hearing you speak. You got off with three verses today. I'm going to let you do the benediction so I can hear you talk some more. <laughs> Let's join together in prayer. Precious and loving God, we thank you for being visible and real. Precious and loving God, we thank you for the doors you open by your presence. Precious God, we thank you not just for the things you do within your actions, but the things that you do that catch our attentions. Today, Lord, be with us in this time of conversation that we see your active presence. And in your Son's precious and loving name, I pray. Amen. I want you to begin to sit in the thank for a moment. I want you to think about the narrative that takes place in this. And I want you to think about the ways through Sunday school, through other sermons, through colloquialisms, through acts of justification that we've heard this scripture. I want you to think about it for a moment. I want you to think about how all of this shapes the ways that we look at the world and the way we look at our faith, faith based on the ways that we use and interact with this Scripture. 
There has been times as a young kid in Sunday school that I have been very upset about things, angry. And I have heard this scripture used as a narrative saying, you know what, you're angry? Well, Jesus got angry too. And look at this scripture. Jesus got mad just like you do. There's fact in that. There's a beautiful justice-driven fact that Jesus Christ got mad. And it's freeing sometimes. Because we look at a world of things that are taken out of place and put in wrong context, the world that the scales of justice seem imbalanced at times, and we want to look at the world through a holy eyes of justice. And that justice is fed when we hear a narrative of a Christ who got mad. I want you to know, no matter how this sermon continues, it's okay to get mad sometimes. We are human beings with human emotions and human feelings. We can't stop those feelings. Jesus Christ cried and laughed, so why wouldn't Jesus Christ get angry too? It's okay to feel that way. There's a harmful side of sharing that narrative that I've held on to. And I've seen the narrative displayed through angered acts that seem to be sometimes out of control. I've seen friends vocalize things that they feel that are right or wrong. And within their anger, there seems to be this imbalance. There seems to be no control in the anger that's being displayed. No learning, no focus, no study, no communication or interaction based within the anger. This, this uncontrolled, misplaced anger that sometimes, if we heard as kids, hey, look at this scripture from Mark. Jesus got mad too. It's okay to be mad. And no matter what I say after this, it's okay sometimes to get mad. But I do not feel that Jesus Christ had an uncontrolled anger in what He did on the day that He turned the tables over. Now, I'm going to share something with you that I'm going to regret immediately. In a few weeks, it's going to be Palm Sunday. And I've always used an outline for my Palm Sunday sermon that described the other people who were observing what happened. I want to use that narrative today. And when I do my Palm Sunday sermon, I want you to call me out. Wow, that was the exact outline you used about turning the tables over. I said, yes, it was. So doesn't that prove even much further how much control Jesus Christ really had in the moment? I want us to think about that for a moment. Because I do not believe in a Christ that exists within reactionary responses. I don't. I believe that Jesus Christ got mad sometimes, and when He got mad, it was the right time to do it, and He displayed it in a way that caught the most attention, not just for the people that He was angry with, but for the people that needed freedom for why He was angry. I want us to look at that narrative today. I want us to think about who else was there with Christ that day. As He moved in, and turn these tables over, 
not displaying a reactionary anger, but displaying a educated, calculated response that taught individuals that he didn't like so much that day a lesson and taught a lesson of freedom for other people that really needed to hear it because on that day they were being severely repressed. Who else was there that day? Let's think about in the time frame and the context what it meant to go to the temple to give your sacrifices over so that you could have this moment of participation within freedom. A long journey in those days didn't mean loading up, loading up the, the Kia Soul and putting everything in the back seat and getting somewhere. You didn't have a U-Haul in the back to make it easy. You only had the ability to take what you could manage on that day. And if you're going on a journey that's focused on trying to give your best over as a freeing sacrifice for something that has burdened you, has shackled you at times, you're not only taking what is only your best, you're not even completely taking what you need for that journey. The journey isn't completely about hunger. It's not about making sure that you have something to drink along the way. It's about taking what you have that is your absolute most to display it on that day. And individuals have different ways based on their abilities and their cultural circumstances to take those things. One of the first collection of individuals that were going to the temple on that day were the ones that had absolutely nothing. If you remember a couple of years ago in our narrative of, the, of our biblical discussion on Mary and Joseph, and we look at the areas that Mary and Joseph came from, they were not the cultural elite. They were the individuals that came from the least and the areas that were the mo were not, that word is really important for what I'm trying to say, that were not the most politically empowered and they only took the absolute best that they had. And the absolute best that they had was the birth of a Savior into the world. There are other individuals within this narrative that came only carrying what they brought to sacrifice. Only carrying what was their absolute best that they were going to give over and they were hoping that they could get there and they were hoping that they could get back so that they could take care of their nourishment and other things. I want you to put yourself in that mind frame of being that person. You had to walk. You didn't even have a donkey to carry your goods on. You had to carry this miles upon miles. And then you get to the gatekeeper who utters the words to you, what you have brought is not good enough, but I have this for you to buy, to share. I want you to hold on to the painful reality of that. You only bought what you could have. You only brought 
what you could share and sacrifice. And you get there, and the first person you meet is an individual that says, you are not good enough for this. There were individuals there that heard that and were harmed and pained by that. And in Christ's response, He was not just responding to the individual that said the words, you're not good enough. He was displaying not out of reactionary anger, but an educational presentation. This person is good enough. It's the first person that I had to hear those things. Now we're going to climb the ladder a little bit. But as we climb the ladder, the sacrifices shifts a little bit. This per- People go far with only their best, and they go back with nothing, and they also come back with nothing. They don't have the spiritual experience that day of being able to set their burdens free by the practice of their sacrifice. They don't even go back home with the blessing from that moment until Christ comes in and turns the tables over. Now let's climb the ladder a little bit. Let's move closer to the middle class. There's individuals that went there. They were able to figure out how to carry their food with them. They took their best with them. They maybe had a little bit of pocket change, and they got there, and they hit this place, and they hear the person say, what you have brought is not good enough. And then they have to make another decision. Do I try to barter this food that's going to take care of my family? Do I try to barter these coins that's going to help my family when we get back home so that I can at least take the blessing back home? At least that they have an avenue towards the blessing, but it's still within a challenge sacrifice that they were not ready to make and probably not the best decision to make based on going back and having to care for their families when they went back home. Yes, they may have gone back with the blessing, but they would not be able to have the food that they needed when they got back home. There's a lot of challenging questions that come along with this. And it it begins to eschew what the narrative of a blessing is. You can have this blessing as long as you sacrifice more. And I wholeheartedly believe in the blessings of the sacrifices that we do when we go out on mission projects like serving food on Tuesday nights or Monday mornings. I believe in that sacrifice. But sometimes we get called for a sacrifice and that sacrifice in this narrative begins to challenge a person to show that they are worthy of the blessing. And that's not what grace is. Grace is not proving that you're worthy of a blessing. Grace is an individual that's willing to step in and turn the tables over. So we have that narrative. But here's the challenge. we got to go backwards, right? We have to go to the ones that only brought what they could have, and they heard, not for you, and then they began to see, well, this person had to give up this much, and I can't do that either. So they become more disvalued. And then we get to the third level of people that were there. 
It's the ones that had the servants and the, and the aides carry their whole house with them, and they set up a tent in town that day, and they had all the food they wanted, had all the possessions they needed. They got to the temple that day, and they heard the person say, what you have brought is not good enough. And they said, how about this? And they said, all right. That's where the narrative gets knocked almost off the kilter. Because we already have one person that feels that they are so not worthy that they'll never receive the blessings. We have one collection of people who feel unworthy as long as I can give up something more. And then we have this image that's created of religious elitism that says, unless that you can buy the castle, you don't get the blessings. That is all of the narratives that Jesus Christ dealt with on that day. All of them. And who benefits the most from what was being displayed? The ones with power benefited from what was going on. And what did the actions of Jesus Christ do? It didn't just turn the tables over on what was happening that day, but it turned the tables all over on what power actually is. And as Jesus Christ took away power from the most, He showed the least that there is a protector and a caregiver and a justifier, a Savior and a Redeemer. We all have moments that we feel like the least. Last week I cried in my sermon, and I promise I will not do it today. I cried because I was emotionally dealing with a moment of the least being so tormented that they died. And struggling with that narrative. Jesus Christ turned the tables over at this moment so that He could show to those dear friends that only have their best, your best is enough for me. And they won't have control anymore because here comes the tears. <laughs> I'm going to turn the tables over. I'm going to turn the tables over. We all have moments in our lives that we feel like the ones that have the least. And it really does become a challenge in our lives because within all of us in specific situations, we exist within all three of these narratives. There are places in our lives that we feel like that we will never, ever, ever measure up. There are places in our lives that we have a little bit more to give. But that little bit more to give should not be about what we get out of it, but it's what the ones behind us get out of it. And there are moments that we have the absolute power and the absolute voice that we should use that not to attain things for ourselves, but to provide for the one behind us and to provide for the one behind them. When you hear this narrative about Christ getting angry, I do not want you to ever again, after today, have a narrative of a Christ that got out of control. Because I don't believe in a Christ that got out of control. I don't. I believe in a Christ that was the smartest person in the room. That knew more than the most. 
and had more than anyone else could ever have. And it wasn't about him proving that he was the best. It was actually through him showing his vulnerability and being accused of losing his temper that he used that vulnerability to set the least of these free. Christ was never out of control. But He was setting an example that taught the ones with the most they don't have it. And to share with the ones with the least, they do. Hold that narrative as we go through this. I want you to hold that narrative today as we shift into our time of Holy Communion. And if you would open up your hymnals, please, to page 13. I want you to hold on to that narrative as we used the black books today, didn't we? God bless. I'm sorry. Here comes the here comes the heroes to give you the most. And if it, we could have a couple of more heroes help out, that would be really cool. Sorry. Let's even if we use the black books, let's always put out the red. And as they hand out the red books, I'll share with you the narrative that I want you to hold on to. And to our heroes that are running through the aisles, thank you for doing this. Thank you. There are times that you feel like the least and you have nothing. We serve an open table that's always open. Come on. If you got a little bit more to give, give it, but don't give it for yourself. Give it for the person behind you. Open the door. And if there's times that you have the most, scream the loudest, but not for yourself but for the people following you so that they can find out where you're going and they can get there too. Man, that, that sounded Southern the way I said that. It'd make my grandma happy. <laughs> but let's celebrate that as we move into our time of, of communion. Heroes, thank you for handing the books out. I really deeply appreciate that. Please open them to page 13. And here we go. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join in their unending hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and spirit. On the night in which that he gave himself up for us, he took the bread. He gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice 
in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet. Through Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. If I ask you to help me serve communion today, please come forward. And if this is your first time here in the church, please come forward. The table is open. Whether that you associate with the one with nothing, the one with little, or the one with everything, the table is open for you. Please come receive the gifts of Jesus Christ.
Go ahead, Imelda. Pastor, please come forward. A little, little bit of a sidetrack. This is a bunch of greeting, birthday greeting cards for Pastor's birthday. And his birthday was March 1st. Can we sing happy birthday? Thank you so much for the blessing of this gift. Uh, you, as we're, I'm, I'm not going to steal from you praying, buddy. I got to hear you read. But I, it's a blessing. You give more than just the offering. You really do. June's going to be hard. I've shared with you some excitement that I have about June. But this is like moving away from home for me. Thank you for helping me grow up here. I'm a really good person. I'm looking right at you. I won't say your name, Mike. Said, <laughs> shared with me about how different I am. And I am. I know it. But it's because of you. And it's, it's really fitting right now during this time of offering. I really need to point out how much that you have given me being here. Thank you. Thank you. And as part of um, the prayer of um, giving, I would also like to extend um, the prayer of giving um, to Pastor for everything he has given us. Um, Eternal God, your law guides us and your covenant of grace moves us to care for your people. Receive these gifts and our journey and courage and the others may be blessed through us as we share your glory with the world. Amen.
watching watching Scarlett trying to leave with the candle makes me think of one of my favorite John Wesley quotes. Be so on fire for Jesus that other people want to watch you burn. <laughs> May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. God is love. Amen. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.